The pandemic has proven both scary and monotonous. And now the end of the federal fiscal year is only a month away, so agencies and contractors alike can start to worry about the possibility of a partial government shutdown. For these and other concerns, we check in with the executive vice president and general counsel of the Professional Services Council, Alan Chavotkin. Alan, good to have you back. Always a pleasure, Tom. And let's start with something of topical concern, and that is the Section 889 provision where contractors are not allowed to use any equipment by certain banned Chinese telecom providers if they want to get federal contractors. And since the rules went into effect a few weeks ago, we're already starting to see a little bit of chipping away at it through waivers. What do we know? Well, that's absolutely right. The rules were issued in mid-July. They became effective on August 13th. And just a few days before August 13th effective date, the Director of National Intelligence issued a couple of waivers to uh, federal agencies under the authority that the statute, uh, the National Defense Authorization Act, provided to him. One was uh, issued to the Department of Defense. It's a very broad one. Another was issued to the Agency for International Development. It's a fairly narrow one. Uh, I'm told that the State Department and maybe one or two other agencies also received waivers uh, prior to the effective date to uh, allow them to transition through the effective date. Both of these waivers that uh, I'm aware of are marked for official use only. That's regrettable, so I don't have the copies of them, but I understand pretty well what's in them, and there may be more coming later. Now, these are waivers for the ability of the contractors to buy this equipment, or is it a waiver that the contractors that already have that equipment can get contracts from those agencies that you mentioned? It's the latter. It's the ability of the agency to make awards to contractors, even though they make a representation that they have prohibited products or services in use. So this is the flexibility for the agency to make an award. Uh, It's not a waiver of a company's ability to continue to use the prohibited products or services. Yeah, so what I'm driving at is that companies that are aware that waivers are starting to come out in for some large and small agencies from the ODNI should not take that as a sign that, well, we can keep buying Huawei and ZTE gear. Absolutely right, and they absolutely can't. First of all, both of the waivers for the Department of Defense and for the Agency for International Development uh, only go through September 30. And secondly, the company still has to make the waiver, and the agency will still have to justify continuing to do business. So if there's an underlying message for the companies, it's um, clean out your supply chain or find alternatives uh, as rapidly as you can. And for the agencies, uh, at least DOD and USAID, It's uh, to be able to take advantage of these uh, only through the end of the current federal fiscal year. There's no guarantee that they'll have waivers going into the next federal fiscal year. Got it. And in the meantime, what are you seeing in terms of response of your member companies to the general rule that you can't buy this stuff anymore and you've got to get it out of the systems that employ it for purposes of 889 compliance? Sure. Two things come into play. First of all, while we have been pushing for months to get the definitions and the rule in place, it only got the rule out on uh, July 14th, so companies have to apply that and do the analysis. Most of our member companies uh, have done the inventory of the products and services. The good news is that this is used by the company itself, unless they know of something in their supply chain. Uh, right now, for purposes of the rep- 
representation back to government. They only need to make a reasonable inquiry about their own activities. Subsequently, uh, after award, if they become aware of some prohibited products or services, they'll have to notify the government about that uh, within 24 hours and then uh, begin a uh, plan for remediation. But again, the message is still the same. If you know of some use, you'll have to disclose it based on your own reasonable inquiry. Uh, You don't have that within your own company, and it's not an essential part of any system, then you can, uh, in good faith, certify, make your representation that you do not have such prohibited goods or services. We're speaking with Alan Chavotkin. He's the Executive Vice President and General Counsel of the Professional Services Council. And let's move on to the fiscal year. I think there's 35 days now, roughly a month until the thing is over, you know, a month of working weeks. What should contractors be doing now to prepare? Because a lot of people are starting to think, yeah, we could have another lapse in appropriations, or at least for some agencies. Let's hope we don't have a lapse in appropriations for any agencies. Let's hope that uh, it's unlikely that we're going to see the regular appropriations enacted. So I think it's almost inevitable we'll see a continuing resolution for most, if not all, of the federal government. We've seen this movie streaming many, many times before, but I think there are three things that companies can do now and actually should, maybe even a little late, but uh, should be undertaking right now, knowing that the uh, end of the current federal fiscal year on September 30th and the start of the new one on October 1st. First of all, make sure that you're up to date on your invoices. Invoices that are submitted for work performed in this federal fiscal year can be paid even after October 1 because they'll be using money available from the current fiscal year. Uh, Very, very important to make sure that your invoices are up to date and submitted. Secondly, know how to connect with your contracting chain of command. Uh, As we've seen in prior furloughs and lapses of appropriations, and even under some continuing resolutions, the contracting officer that you know and love may or may not be available. Uh, And so you want to know your chain of command, who else above who is going to fill in for that contracting officer if he or she is not available, and who is authorized to take action should that be necessary. And the third area that uh, we're encouraging our members to look at is option periods that may be coming due. Typically, uh, an option period will become due starting October 1 for the new federal fiscal year. But the decision to extend or exercise that option uh, doesn't have to wait until October 1st. So companies should have a pretty good understanding of the options they have under existing contracts and begin working with their contracting officers now to have that option extended and ready to go before the end of the fiscal year. Things will start getting crunched. Agencies will be uh, increasing, are already increasing their spending to get out the funds committed before the end of the current fiscal year. So resources are going to be constrained. Access is going to be a little bit more difficult. Don't wait until the last week of the federal fiscal year to start addressing these issues. All right. And in the meantime, no one is getting into federal facilities for the most part. And survey after survey shows people are afraid to go back to the office. So what are you learning and what are people experiencing with respect to the lack of access and the compensation for those contractor employees who cannot get in? Well, you've raised uh, two related points, and they're they're both absolutely valid. A number of federal facilities are still not open to contractors uh, and to federal employees, and uh, some are still reluctant to go back to an office facility. But 
the good news is from uh, most of the contractors in our membership and around the federal space are able to telework. And to the extent that they can, that work should be able to be continued. Again, keeping in touch with the contracting officers, making sure that the work you're doing on a telework basis is being accepted and being paid for. For those that are not, we still have at least one mechanism. It's uh, referred to as Section 3610 of the CARES Act. It provides authority for a federal agency to reimburse companies who keep their employees uh, who are unable to telework in a quote-unquote ready state seen some new guidance issued by the Department of Defense on how they will approach that reimbursement. Uh, this has been several rounds of guidance documents. You know, it's interesting, the statute that provides the authority is 210 words total. We're now well north of 40 pages worth of implementing guidance, so uh, lots of words are you're being used to interpret that. DOD has taken the position that they need supplemental appropriations before they'll reimburse contractors for their employees. Uh, other agencies have gone ahead and made some reimbursements. Now that we're just getting close to the end of the period of uh, availability, that is, this provision expires on September 30th also, there's been not too many reimbursements that we're aware of. We're encouraging our member companies to submit a request for reimbursement. Uh, for partial period of time from uh, March 24th through uh, whatever date they can pick to get that process underway. But more importantly, PSA is uh, aggressively pushing for an extension of the September 30 uh, sunset date of Section 3610. The pandemic has continued on much longer uh, than anybody had uh, hoped for. And the number of uh, both the federal employees as well as contractor employees who are denied access to those facilities and unable to work is continuing, as you mentioned. So uh, all the more reason to keep this provision going, and we'll worry about and support a supplemental appropriations uh, when we can get to it. In other words, make hay while the sun shines or make sun while the moon shines or something like that. <laughs> yeah, don't drink your moonshine. But uh, drink your sunshine. That's exactly right. But it, it's important that the authority be extended. Uh, but it's also important that companies get their invoices and, and supporting documentation submitted so that agencies um, can begin the evaluation uh, of the merits of those uh, invoices and, and uh, begin to make payment. Alan Javotkin is Executive Vice President and General Counsel at the Professional Services Council. As always, thanks so much. My pleasure, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffel Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. <laughs> 